Well, React components are classes, yes. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. You're, Maybe you're, I do understand more than I thought I did. Hang on, Drew. You're going to need to cut this up so I sound less dumb. Um, Impossible. <laughs> that, and is, that is there, very hard. That's our cold open right there. <laughs> Welcome to episode 260 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Lovell. And I'm Marshall Black. We got a fun episode today. Another week, another episode. Another week, another app. Before we get into the episode, we want to thank our sponsor, InVision Studio, for making this episode possible. InVision Studio is the world's most powerful screen design tool that brings together design, prototyping, animation, and collaboration all in one place. It has a seamless connection to the InVision Cloud platform that you're already using which makes it really, really easy to take your ideas and turn them into awesome digital products. And now it's all connected with one workflow. It was created by people who have to go through this workflow every single day, uh, working closely with some of the world's best design teams uh, at companies like Zendesk, Uber, Salesforce, Shopify, and more. Learning from these teams, how they create the products that literally billions of people, yeah, that'd be billions in aggregate, billions of people use uh, to create digital products. Unlike old tools that were built for graphic, static, and print design, InVision Studio was built specifically for a new generation of product designers creating products on a screen. It's a new visual language for you to collaborate with your team, get people involved in the design process, and give people a way to convey ideas quickly and get stakeholder buy-in. Tons of companies that you know and use and love are already using it, and you should be too. You can get the early access free forever right now at envisionapp.com slash studio. That's envisionapp.com slash studio. Upgrade the way that you and your team build digital products together. Thank you to Envision Studio for making this episode possible. Thanks, Envision Studio. We appreciate it. And with that, let's get into episode 260 with our guest, us. <laughs> yes. That was the Our old, guest, that was the old me reading. and you. <laughs> me and you, we're back. Get used but to it. <laughs> it's funny, like you say, I, I mean, I just joined this podcast, but like you say 260, and I'm like, yeah, it's like a milestone. I feel like we hit a milestone. <laughs> it's like the third like, episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's been such a journey for you, Marshall. <laughs> I know, I've achieved so much. <laughs> well, speaking of which, so we're, we're a few episodes in, and we've had a chance to get some feedback from people on the new format. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about what we've seen so far? Yeah, it's been roundly positive. I think people uh, seem to be cool with this change in the format. And uh, yeah, it's one of those things that y- you don't know what's going to happen. Are people going to revolt? You know, what's the level of uh, pitchfork and, and yeah. torch uh, mm-hmm. situations going to be happening? But uh, it seems like zero pitchforks, which is a good thing. Zero pitchforks so far. Yeah. So far. Or at least those those who have pitchforks haven't made themselves known. Hiding in a bush or somewhere, or like or maybe they just unsubscribed pitchforks. immediately and never told us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But those of you who have stuck around uh, yeah. seem to be, and it seems like everybody's sticking around, uh, seem to be happy with the thing. So, and and nobody hates me yet. So I haven't got any death threats. No, no doxing. Oh, just um, wait, man. The death threats are going to start rolling <laughs> yeah. in pretty soon. Uh, but we yeah, say some pretty heinous shit. 
on mm-hmm. this pro- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, thank you for everyone who sent us feedback. Uh, we're still figuring out a little bit uh, how, how to handle the duration. I think last week was a little bit longer than what we want. Uh, so we're aiming to ha- keep things a little bit trim, uh, more approachable for like a, a commute or a coffee break kind of length. So we'll be iterating there. Uh, but so far the feedback's been awesome. If you have been enjoying the, the change, uh, we want to ask one small favor which is mm-hmm. to leave us a review on iTunes. Pretty, it takes pretty, pretty, maybe pretty two seconds. Uh, but what happens is if you leave us a review on iTunes, basically iTunes recognizes that people are listening to our show, so they are more likely to rank us in, in the charts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it means a lot to us. It helps other designers find the show and they search for things like design podcast. And of course, the reviews are helpful for us to, of course, iterate on the, the format and and take critical feedback in an anonymous way, since I think you can leave those anonymously. So uh, it's a good way to leave us feedback. Um, or of course, you can always just tweet at us. But an iTunes review would be super, super helpful. So if you have a second uh, on, on your computer or phone, we would really, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you to everyone who has already done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that the format has changed, it's a, it's a good time to do it now. Yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, this is this is the the right time with this with this uh, change. It's like okay, time to weigh back in and let us know what you think, good or bad, preferably good, but you know, good or bad. Let us know what you think, and and we are we are receptive and uh, willing to adjust as necessary. But uh, with that having been followed up, let's uh, let's get into these news. All right, so it seems like it was a little bit of a slow week this week in terms mm-hmm. of design news or mm-hmm. noteworthy things happen. Well, that's good for the uh, length of the show, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Can we, hey, industry, can you guys do like one thing a week, please? <laughs> can you just like chill? Can you just like <laughs> slow down a bit maybe? Yeah, <laughs> like, we, don't, we don't need the world to be revolutionized every week. <laughs> yeah. Calm it down. Stop being so like productive and shit. Yeah. We got to be lazy. We do mm-hmm. this. We do this prep last minute. Give us, give us a break. We got a time limit to meet here. <laughs> okay. So uh, today uh, at the time of recording is Sunday and on Friday, uh, the Zite team, Zite.co, uh, one of my favorite product teams and products that we use to, to host and build so much of our stuff at Spectrum and we uh, use it to host the Spec FM, Spec FM website. Uh, they hosted their first meetup at their San Francisco office, and uh, they just put the video up. Uh, it's like a two-hour video of all the talks. There was a bunch of lightning talks and then a couple of keynotes by people in the design community, in the React community. Uh, Zite does a lot of open source work uh, around React, especially with a project called Next.js, which is actually what we used to build the SpecFM website. Anyways, uh, Diana Mounter was, was at the conference, and she talked about building design systems with React. Did, did you go to this meetup? I was not there, uh, okay. unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but I was watching the the stream, and now I'm kind of catching up on, on the videos that I missed since I was... <laughs> just lurking. I was just lurking. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this is, this is fun news for designers, not only because it ties in nicely with uh, React, having such a, a, a big resurgence, or surge, I guess, not resurgence, just a, a surgence uh, <laughs> in the design community. Uh, but Diana has a ton, if not the most experienced building design systems at this point. She's been doing it at GitHub for several years, uh, works and hosts her own conferences and meetups around design systems. So getting to see her presentation uh, about building design systems with React was an awesome learning experience. So I, I would encourage everyone who's curious to, to check that out. We'll have a, a link to the YouTube in, in the show notes. Uh, and then Diana posted her slides on Twitter 
Side note about that. So she made her slides with a, a product that Brent Jackson made called MDX Deck, which if you are uh, so developer inclined, it's a way to make slides in React, but it's using uh, a framework or a library called MDX, which is Markdown with React components embedded in it. So you can build a slide, but also put your own custom components into each slide, like uh, links, videos, any kind of component that you normally make. Uh, it's kind of a, a project that's been blowing up this last week. So it's cool to see such a fast turnaround with someone building slides with MDX and then using that at a talk to talk about design systems with React. It's all just a great community of people just sort of remixing and building on top of each other. So. Mm-hmm. Just a big mutual admiration society. I love it. <laughs> yes, mutual admiration society. It's also a band from the early 2000s. Which I'm totally familiar with. <laughs> I'm sure you are. So this new segment that we want to do is called Eli5, which if you are a Redditor, you might uh, recognize uh, from from that web zone. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's an acronym that uh, stands for Explain Like I'm Five. Mm-hmm. Basically, dumb down a concept for me uh, so that I can understand it because I have no knowledge of it. And one of those things for me is React. And um, there's a big push with React lately that I've noticed rumblings uh, in, in the community, but I don't know shit about it. And I haven't gone out of my way to research it because I'm a very, very busy man. So um, I think this is a good opportunity for for Brian to explain to me as though I am a toddler, uh, what the hell this React thing is. Uh, so, you know, I did a little prep, but I actually forgot about the five-year-old part because I was going to explain <laughs> okay. React to you. But <laughs> okay. Explain like I'm a, a prepubescent teen. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? This is a. Um, I'm gonna a side note here. Um, there's a really good series. I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically this. It's on on YouTube. I think maybe it's a Vox thing or something. I'm not entirely sure. I'll I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. But um, it's a series where very very smart people explain the same concept to um, a, a range of of people who don't know about, or well, a range of other people. So it starts with like a kid. Um, so, for example, one of the ones that they did was like blockchain, right? So, explaining what blockchain is to a child, to a teenager, to an early, like a college student who's going into that field, um, a person who's been in that field for a while, and then like a hardcore expert, right? So, the the level of discourse increases exponentially as as you go up those steps, but it's cool, like you get a quick understanding if you don't know what it is initially because it's explained for like a kid and then slowly it builds on that knowledge that you have so by the end you kind of are listening to people talk about it in very high level um, conversation but you can kind of understand what they're talking about and have a better understanding of what's going on by the time the the video is over so I'll, I'll link that in the show notes but that's kind of what we're aping here so aim for the middle okay. middle range of that a little okay. bit maybe yeah yeah sure that what you just said also reminds me I was listening to a podcast uh, where Jason Freed of, of Basecamp was the guest. Okay. And he was talking about how he wished he could teach a class where the only thing that you did was take a topic and uh, write a five page paper about it and then write, and then you, you get that graded and, and assessed. And then your next assignment is to take that paper and make it one page. And then your next assignment is to take that same paper and make it one paragraph. Hmm. And then your next assignment is to take that one paragraph and make it one sentence. Hmm. And along the way, just studying how to uh, encapsulate ideas and communicate clearly and succinctly. And uh, 
I, I sort of like that's almost like the inverse here. How do you take complex ideas and sort of scale them appropriately based on the audience? Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense, though, because only an expert would be able to boil down what a thing is coherently enough so that someone who doesn't know anything about it can understand it in a very short amount of time. Sure. Right. Yeah. So maybe, maybe as, as I jump into this, it's worth prefacing. Uh, I wouldn't claim to be a, an expert in React, uh, but I've been using React for a couple of years now and, and I'm somewhat familiar with, with how it works and have been following along with the community. So I, I'll try my best to explain it. I'm going to use uh, their website as a reference because their documentation is, is wonderful. You're, you're, you're a relative expert compared to me. It's all relative and compared <laughs> to what I know. You compared are, to you, I'm an expert. Yeah, you're like 9,000 brain or whatever that meme okay. is. So user interfaces. Uh, uh, galaxy brain? Galaxy brain? Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, user interfaces over time continue to get more complicated, have more and more requirements, uh, especially as you look at apps getting bigger and bigger, like the YouTubes, the Googles, the Facebooks of the world. There's just more and more features, more and more use cases, more and more things that need to be supported on, on different devices and, and features that need to work in different ways for different people. And for people who have been building those user interfaces in the past, uh, traditionally on the web, they might have used frameworks uh, in JavaScript or, or Ruby on Rails or uh, PHP, and uh, a lot of the complexity uh, just sort of grew as the application grew, and it made it really, really hard to modify small pieces of, of the user interface without affecting all the other things, hmm, okay. which makes it hard to rewrite, uh, refactor, add, remove, modify. Are you talking about on a back end or, or on like the front end? On like the front the end, so that a, a change the UI really and, it, yeah. and, it, and it adjusts everything around it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So React is a library written in JavaScript, although it has different platforms that it can run on, um, for building user interfaces. And, it, and it's really aimed at tackling the complexities of building user interfaces at scale. So this is a, a project that comes from Facebook. I think the last number I heard was Facebook has somewhere in order of like a couple hundred thousand components. Uh, that power their their front end. I believe it. Written in React. So you can think of a React component like a Lego. And that Lego is very, very simple. It does one thing really, really well. It has a shape that has a number of dots and it can connect to other things uh, pretty, pretty consistently in the same way, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and React takes that same... So basically, same like, it's, it's got its own inputs and outputs like it can yeah. take blocks of certain shapes and sizes and it can spit out certain thing okay yep. right so they can be combined in, in interesting ways and obviously depending on what you're building uh for the most part you can take away a lego and it's not going to crumble your your castle mm -hmm. uh, so i think we're talking about jenga now but okay <laughs> it's not going to topple your jenga tower <laughs> you're, you're mixing your we're, metaphor we're your, your toy metaphors but all right <laughs> So think of React as, as a way to build lots and lots of small components that can be collected together to scale to a complex user interface. Okay. So now imagine you have. Well, so just so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna like uh, repeat kind of what sure. you said and make sure I'm understanding. So I mean, this is kind of how I build stuff in Sketch, where well, symbols are made for this exact kind of thing, where you have a, yeah. a template for a specific component, and um, you can you can vary that 
uh, and and change the overrides and stuff. Okay, I think I think this is making, and this is how I lay out my my designs. Like I basically just have everything snapped together. Like I have a a, a row, like a cell, um, and, you know, for for say a video or something like that, and everything just snaps together really nicely. So this is kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. But on a code um, level, and 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 I'll I'll bring in a couple more design parallels here because React has a really wonderful mental model of thinking about. Cool. Products. Love it. I love uh, organization. That, that designers yeah, can understand. So imagine that you're, you're building a Facebook and you have hundreds of thousands of components. Maybe on, on one screen, a user is seeing a few hundred. Uh, in the past, what was really, really difficult was updating one piece of that screen without updating the entire screen. So when a browser renders a web page, it's pretty expensive. Mm. And so if you're only changing one tiny thing on the screen, let's say, for example, you click a button and it should show an error state under the button because you mistyped something, for mm-hmm. example. What you don't want to do is re-render the entire screen that you rendered only because you need to show that one extra little error message. Right. So React has a system called the Virtual DOM, or it uses the Virtual DOM. I'm not going to get too technical because I'm going to mix up words. Yeah, you say the word DOM, and I'm like, oh, oh I'm yeah, scared. So, okay, I'm scared. Is, I'm scared of that. I know what that. I know what that kind of means generally okay. enough to scare me. <laughs> okay, let me back up. <laughs> React uh, at any given point has some understanding of the state of the interface, the entire interface. It knows the way the world exists and and how all that gets rendered to the screen. Okay. Okay. So it has all these components. It says, this is exactly how it should be laid out. Now, when one thing changes, what it does is it intelligently figures out that there's this one thing that needs to change. And it w- and basically the magic of it is it changes that one thing without changing, having to re-render the entire page. So this is great for performance, but also from a developer perspective, it means that you can build isolated components that, that update on their own. Uh, you don't have to worry about incredible complexity of side effects as things change. Uh, so it's, it's just an easier mental model to reason about as, as you're building a user interface. So I know that in, um, I think in Objective-C or Swift, there's this uh, concept of, of um, I'm going to use the wrong terminology, but like radios and receivers, like radio towers and receivers. So components that send out signals when something changes mm-hmm. and others that listen for changes. Um, so you're not constantly like pulling something. It's just like, I listen and I do nothing until something that I'm listening for changes. And on the other side, it's like, I, I don't send out messages unless I change. Is this kind of the same thing you're talking about? Is this how it works? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I think you could think of it like that. The, the one thing changes and, and react identifies, uh, in some way that that's the one thing that, that needs to be updated. So the last important piece of react to understand is the way components treat information that that should be rendered on, onto a screen. And it does this with two mechanisms. I'm trying to use small words. Um, <laughs> I, I have a decent vocabulary. No, I know, I know. Just don't use words I don't know. <laughs> virtual DOM. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Those are small words, but I don't understand them. <laughs> so uh, one mechanism is properties, and another mechanism is state. Let me think of uh, a parallel here to like a sketch symbol. So a sketch symbol property, let's say you're building a, uh, a, a list of things. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and each of those items in the list has, say, a user avatar, uh, a, a, a label, label of text, mm -hmm. and um, let's make it like uh, sort of an accordion. So when you tap it, it expands to show like some extra meta information. Some sort of aff affordance on the right. Yeah, yep. an affordance on the right. So this component takes properties that that tells the screen what to render. So in this case, it's going to take a property called perhaps label, which is a string of text, and it's going to take uh, a property called profile photo URL, which is a URL that points to an image file somewhere. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it takes those properties and through uh, a render function basically says, okay, show, show user avatar, show this label on the screen. Done. Mm -hmm. Now, the nice thing about React components is that if they can contain state, which is encapsulated within that component and that component only, obviously there's, there's more complexity, but at, a, at the base level, a component can contain its own state. Uh, like an instance of the component? Correct. Okay. This is an yes, that's very, that's very savvy of you. Mm -hmm. So imagine you tap on, on this input. Uh, what you might want to say is, for this instance, change the state to is expanded. And when it's in is expanded, render extra meta information. And if you tap it again, we change the state of this instance to not expanded. And it, it hides that extra meta information. And there's like a essentially unlimited number of properties a component can have in an unlimited number of states or is it binary? Um, it's up to the developer. You want to keep it. You want components to be small so that they're easy to read and understand. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm just, I'm wondering if it's like, okay, expanded, not expanded. Is it like a, a toggle thing or is it like, could I have expanded, half expanded, unexpanded? Yeah, you, yeah, you could do it. Okay, okay. But you want to keep it simple so that you're yeah. not You'd probably building just have too much into one. an expanded true or false state. Gotcha. That's called a Boolean. That's called a Boolean. I know, I know things. So, but when, when you mentioned that this is an instance, that's really important because if you have a list of a thousand things and you tap one of them, you don't want all of them to become expanded. You only want that one thing to become expanded. Right. So a component contains its own state, which means that when you tap it, it will only update that component state. React realizes that only that component state has changed. So it's only going to re-render that component. So this is it sending out a radio signal to whatever's listening to say, hey, my state changed. I need updated. Yep. Cool. All right. Following. Uh, that's basically it. So oh, okay. it's, it's a, a library for building user interfaces that uses composed components. So you have lots and lots of small components that add up to, to an entire complete application. Mm -hmm. And React makes it really easy to, to change things on the screen without having to worry about everything else being changed on the screen. It understands that components are, are instances that are encapsulated and if something there changes, only that thing should change. And there's yeah. lots of intelligent things going on sort of behind the scenes to figure out how to do that most efficiently. Uh, but it means that you as the developer don't have to worry about that complexity. You can just worry about, oh, I want this component to look this way and, and expand when somebody presses on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't know what the state of anything else is. It only knows its own state unless it's listening for something to to adjust its own state. Is the, so? What's the language that this is written in? Sorry, did I get ahead of you? It's JavaScript. React is a, a, a JavaScript library, but it's been repurposed. Uh, there's uh, React Native, which they've figured out basically how to. I, I believe it's compiled to Java and Objective C, so you can write React to build 
native applications, Android and iOS applications. That's okay, right. this is this seems like the big draw, the big appeal for it. It's yes, like write code once and you, and, and put it out on every platform. Uh, I would make one small adjustment to that. So we we've started using React Native at Spectrum, and so it works on web too. It works on web, mobile, uh, and then they've it's been repurposed into a couple other areas. There's like Reason ML, which is I, I can't explain. Um, <laughs> that's, would, that's another Eli Five topic. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll I've let never, you I'll let you study I've never it first. Used it, so I, I, I shouldn't try. <laughs> yeah, you, you can do some research first. Uh, but I would rephrase it from code once, use everywhere to learn once, code everywhere. So your code isn't really going to be that reusable between your web app and your mobile app. Maybe there's like really, really tiny bits of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point is you're using the exact same implementation paradigms of components, properties, and states. And React is doing the intelligent things behind the scenes of knowing what and when to update. So you only have to learn one paradigm to write applications for, at this point, three platforms. And actually, there's React VR. Uh, there's uh, you can write React to build Apple TV apps. Um, huh, okay. So you can build all sorts of stuff. So it's this idea of I can learn this one paradigm and let let the smart people do things behind the scenes to, to have a really great performance output, basically. <laughs> yeah, okay, that makes sense. I, I, I see the appeal. I see why um, this has been making waves. I can imagine why uh, yeah. people would be excited. I'm excited about it now. Okay, yeah. For the sake of time, I guess, like, if I were to tie this back to Framer, you could imagine a Framer component, you know, in, in that right sidebar, it has things like uh, border radius, color, text label, mm-hmm. image background. Mm-hmm. Those are all properties that they're feeding into React components behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And so, and then their animations and interactions are, are imagined some permutation of, of using React state to determine how that thing should update. Got it. Um, so they probably have some sort of state for, like, a carousel component to know which which carousel thing is currently viewed on the screen and what mm-hmm. to do if you swipe left or right. Those would be sort of state interactions. Gotcha. Is what I would imagine. Um, I haven't played it. Yeah. Does it does it uh, take in gesture input and all that? Yeah. That, so like you're you're defining all of the inputs and in, as well as like animation and stuff in these components. Do they handle their own animation? You would have to write out the how the animations should work. But can you like, componentize? So example, can you componentize animation? Yeah, sure. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Everything is a spec, Brian. Everything is a spec. Everything is a component. Uh, yeah, everything is a component. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So like, uh, if you're building something with React Native, every component can take like on press, on long press. Mm-hmm. These are properties that the component can receive. And, and if it doesn't have those properties, then it doesn't do anything, right? So it's up to the developer to say, I don't want this thing to be interactable, or I only want it to be long pressable, or, you know. Uh, is it uh, is it uh, platform agnostic in that, like, okay, unpress means tap on a touch screen, but it means click on a, on a desktop? It's not. That's why I don't really... Maybe there's... I think there's somebody trying to figure out how to get that totally universal React it's maybe possible with some hacking. I think in our experience, it's been better to just have web paradigms on the web and then mobile paradigms on mobile. So for example, on web, you'd have on click, on hover, on mouse enter, on mouse Mm -hmm. leave, mobile, you'd have on press or on touch, I think. I can't remember, on touch, on long touch. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, I mean, and I think this goes into a larger conversation we'd ha- we should have at some point about, you know, this is all well and good to write code once and then have it distributed everywhere. But uh, I think there's a good conversation to be had about following a platform's consistency standards as far as like, you know, material does not look like whatever Apple calls their design system. Is there a name for that? Mistake. Yeah, I guess the Apple Hig. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. There's, I think there's that, that would be a good conversation to have in a future episode about like should should you build should your brand be its own thing that looks the same across every platform or should you try and fit into the world you're living in? Yeah, um, yeah. you want to be an Airbnb or be a Pocket Casts. Yeah, yeah. Those perfect examples. Yep, Spotify is a good example. Spotify. Yeah. Oh man, I, I really love React. There's so many more things that I, I feel like I, I wish I was smart enough to talk about. Um, but from like, <laughs> I think the, you're very smart, Brian. Don't, thanks, don't sell yourself short. But from like the design paradigm, I really like this idea of a component being sort of the result of properties that a person gives to it. So when you're designing your sketch symbols, you're thinking about what are the properties that should be changeable and what are the properties that should not be changeable? Mm-hmm. And how do I expose those changeable ones to other designers within the organization? who should be able to, to change it as they design in their screen, you know? And it's the yeah, same yeah. thing on the development side. When you build a component, you, it's up to the developer to figure out, here's the API I want for other developers in my organization to be able to change. Here's what should be consistent all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great parallel to draw, um, not only for myself, but for probably a lot of the listeners. They'll be familiar with that type of symbol making and, and making those decisions. So this and is just symbol a- composition, like taking simple symbols and combining them to make more complex symbols and, mm-hmm. and still being able to edit the very small bits within that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, am I using this across many, many components? Well, maybe I should make it its own component and embed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Whew. I feel like I just talked for a really long time about React. Well, I, I feel I feel like I'm older than five now. I feel like you've explained <laughs> me into maturity. Uh, <laughs> All right. Okay, Marshall. So I, I've talked for an entire episode. Uh, yeah, for a fucking change. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, did you find anything cool this week? Uh, I did. Um, well, it's not new, and it's not new to me, but it's, I think, a topic worth uh, discussing shortly, which is um, I historically have had a different password for every everything that I use. And in order to remember all of those different passwords, I created kind of a formula in my mind that I can, um, as long as I use my first inclination, um, when, when slotting elements into that formula, I can um, remember it whenever I want to, right? For anyone listening who thinks this is the most insane thing you've ever heard, you should have seen my face when Marshall explained this to me for the first time. <laughs> this is insane, Marshall. <laughs> why, why, why is it insane, though? Tell me. Because relying on your first inclination when you visit a website to determine what pattern you type in for your password seems mm-hmm. like the most fragile system. Well, I mean, what if your your first inclination changes over time, and all of a sudden you you can't slot in the right things into your, your password pattern memory bank? Well, um, you know, wherever you go, there you are. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm like the one relatively unchanging thing in this world for myself. So I don't know. I, I know my brain pretty well, um, which is why I go, if I overthink it, this is why I said the first inclination, because if I overthink it, which I have done in the past, then I end up like guessing later on. And if a site has any sort of uh, 
strict limit on how many times you can try to sign in before it locks you out, yeah. say a, a financial app or something like that. That's um, no yeah. bueno. So uh, first inclination is it. Um, I, yeah, whatever strikes me in the moment when I'm creating that password for the first time, I go with it. I don't try to overthink. Like, is that the best way to do it? Or should I, maybe this would be a better way to do it. Like, no, no, no. As soon as I start thinking like that, it's like, no, go back to the first thing, go with your gut. Okay. So you have the system. Yeah. So I have the system, but it is not as safe as it could be. And I am relatively paranoid about, you know, getting hacked into and, um, losing my information or, you know, whatever. So I bit the bullet recently and I, I dove headfirst into one password. I spent a good chunk of my day yesterday converting most of my main uh, passwords into like 32 character hashes um, yeah. in, in one password. Yeah, it's, it's, this is a, is a tough thing because it's adding many extra steps to every time I log into a new service and I kind of have to like shuttle back and forth between apps. iOS 12 has some nice integrations that'll make this easier, but you know, on computer or say if I use somebody else's uh, computer, like a, a shared thing or whatever, I don't know. It, it just like, I was always scared of like, is this going to add so much extra work to my life? And is the extra work worth the uh, security that I'll have? I think recently that, that uh, equation just tipped towards the side of uh, security. So do you have the browser extension? I do. I have the browser extension. I have the Mac app. I have the iOS app. I have, um, you know about, uh, command backslash command backslash. I do not know about that. Okay. So here's the trick with one password for all of your entries. As long as you have the website field field mm -hmm. filled out, mm -hmm. if you're on that website and you press command backspace, it will just log you in. Oh, backspace, not backslash. Or, sorry. Backslash backslash. Oh. Quit fucking with me, Brian. Man backslash, it'll detect, oh, I'm, you're on this website, this website matches to this password, and it will try and detect on the page some sort of matching input fields like username and password. Oh, man. It's okay. So, so I, I have like the Chrome, like Chrome will do passwords for you, and Safari will do the same thing. It has its own store. Um, and I've found that they conflict with each other. Mm. So now I'm in the step of, being nervous about turning off all of my old password managers and uh, only going with one password. I don't know. I just feel like I'm worried I'm going to be on an island, you know, like a, a, a figurative island um, where I can't access anything. Where I like and now, my main thing is like I have a very, very strong uh, master password, but I'm not very familiar with it. So now I'm having to be like, I'm like <laughs> worried that I'm going to forget my master password yeah. and just screw myself out of everything. Yeah. Um, luckily, there's always like forgot password like email recovery but still i don't know but anyways one one password is my new cool thing that's uh scary for me but um i'm trying to be adventurous and and you know take take new leaps you're so brave <laughs> I, yeah i'm just stunning and brave i've been using one password for years and yeah you're the one who kind of guilted me into using it <laughs> if you aren't using it you should use it the nice thing is you can store all your credit cards on there you can store your i have all my like frequent flyer ids on there Oh, that's smart. Um, so I don't have to remember anything ever because I have a horrible memory. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, it is a. I have, uh, I have three hundred things in my one password. I, I feel that it is a a a strong box. Like I'm not worried about people getting into it, but I'm scared about myself out. getting in. Yeah, not being able to get into it. Yeah, yeah. it's so strong. Even I can't get in. <laughs> now that's security you pay for. <laughs> uh, they're not a sponsor. Yeah, not a sponsor. 
Yeah, it's not too expensive. It wasn't. It wasn't too bad. It's a few bucks here and there. But yeah. So what's your cool thing? Uh, my cool thing I tweeted the other day. It's called backyourstack.com. Uh, helps you discover the open source projects that your organization is using that need financial support. We are building upon uh, the shoulders of giants and uh, standing on the shoulders of giants. Building upon the, the shoulders of giants. The phrase okay. that I'm playing on. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like you, you, so. React is is an open source project uh, created by Facebook altruistically, uh, but there are lots of open source projects that millions of developers and websites and apps that you use all the time uh, rely upon. And being an open source developer doesn't come with a guaranteed paycheck, uh, so they often resort to just requesting donations or some sort of recurring donation in order to fund the development time of creating open source projects. So anyways, uh, someone made backyourstack.com, which lets you just type in a, a GitHub repository URL, and it will say, here are all the open source repositories that we have found a donate link to, essentially, hmm. um, saving you time from, A, saving you time that most people wouldn't even think to go and like dig into their dependencies, figure out, oh, who, who should I be paying? Just like type in one URL, figure out who, who whose work you're using that you should support with a very fast link to go and do that. So uh, shout out to Back Your Stack. I'm, I'm a big fan of giving more exposure to open source tooling that makes other people, makes it possible for dumb people like me to build cool software. <laughs> sell yourself short, man. That's not, it's not fair. It's not fair to yourself, to your own intellect. All right. All right. Cool. Well, that was a, uh, that was a cool thing. And uh, that was an episode. We did another one. I think, this one's slightly shorter than the last one. Yeah, I think this will be a little over 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, let us know what you think. Leave us a review on iTunes. Much appreciated. Uh, I know it's it's a weird thing that everybody asks for, but it really does help. And it will help us reach new people and help more people, hopefully. Yep. Assuming we are being helpful. That's debatable. <laughs> That's debatable. If we're being yeah. helpful, uh, let us know. We're on Twitter at DesignDetailsFM and in our community at spectrum.chat slash specfm. Of course, links before we... in the notes. Oh yeah, and we're going to have all, all of the links in our show notes at spec.fm. And of course, before we go, huge thank you to Envision Studio for making this episode possible. Envision Studio is the world's most powerful screen design tool that brings together design, prototyping, animation, and collaboration all in one place. You can try it for free, forever, forever right ever. now, forever, ever, ever, ever at envisionapp.com slash studio that's envisionapp.com slash studio thank you envision studio thank you also that joke will never get old for me <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad there there are some timeless things for you marshall uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah this, this joke from i don't know 10 years ago <laughs> <laughs> sure still makes me laugh call me michael scott all right well that was an episode uh what's that thanks for listening everyone yeah thanks for listening we'll catch you next week bye bye